So we are in our week four of this series called um, Sermon on the Mount, and it's the most uh, popular sermon uh, by the most popular teacher, uh, by the most uh, man with authority that ever walked the earth. Uh, Terry, Pastor Terry talked about week one, the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes basically goes to a list of things that, um, uh, that describes people who are spiritually bankrupt and have a need for God. Have you ever been spiritually bankrupt in your life? I know I have. Maybe you've, you've gone through so much agony and pain and that kind of stuff, or maybe you have uh, deliberately gone into, into sin and you've run away from God. It doesn't matter what, uh, what's going on in your life. Sometimes it could be th- things that you have done, sometimes things done uh, to you or you've experienced, and you just feel bankrupt. You just feel dry and empty. And that is what the Beatitudes are about. And I love that Jesus starts this sermon with, um, with those Beatitudes. And then week two, we talked about salt and light. How we are the salt and light of the world. Not you might be or you could be. You are the salt and light. And the reason why Jesus used, uh, uses those is that salt brings flavor, thirst, and healing to a lost and hurting world. And we can be that. Uh, we can do the, be that person uh, of Christ shining through us uh, to others. And we are to be a reflection like the moon is of the sun. We are to be a reflection of the sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. And uh, we don't need to produce our own light, meaning we don't need to try to do good things, make ourselves look good. We just need to be a reflection of Jesus. And that's what uh, the light is all about. And then last week, we talked about some sin beneath the symptoms. And in this section, we're still going to be in chapter 5 in, in the book of Matthew. But um, Jesus talks about six sort of um, uh, examples where um, <coughs> people have heard it say this, but I'm telling you something uh, not really different, but we're going to go in a deeper direction with this, okay? So this is what, you, what you've been living and these commands that you've, been, that you've been told, that's great, that's surface area, but we're going to go deeper to where the heart of the matter is. And last week, we talked about um, anger, lust, and divorce. We covered a lot of big, big, big topics. And I encourage you to go to um, our website, lakepointonline.com. And listen or watch those uh, those sermons. And if you have a podcast, if you listen to podcasts, we're on we're on uh, several podcasts uh, on that. And um, so we encourage you to uh, to do that. But uh, Jesus continues in these examples, one after a number uh, of another, comparing what his hearers have been taught by Israel's religious leaders to God's true intent for the hearts of his people. And he's not only talking to them, he's talking to us because as we know, God's word is alive and it's active and we are to adhere our lives to this. So it wasn't just for them, we are the same listeners. So imagine yourself on the hillside there off the shore of Sea of Galilee in Israel and you are there listening to Jesus and you're sitting down on the grass and you're listening to this incredible teaching and imagine yourself in that moment, in that setting. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to turn your copy of God's Word, your digital copy or printed copy, we'll also have the screens, uh, the words on the screens. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're actually going to finish up chapter 5. So we're making some progress through this because the Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so uh, we're going to finish up chapter 5, but there are three more examples of how we can live a life of true righteousness, okay? So Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. 
And uh, let's read verse 33 to get it started. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Again, so Jesus starts off each of these six examples. Okay, you've heard it said, such and such, but I'm telling you such and such. I'm telling you to go deeper into this. So uh, Jesus is... um, Jesus is not speaking from formal uh, official promises such as contracts, marriage vows, or courtroom oaths. So when he says again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. He's not talking about those kinds of things. This does, however, apply to moments where a person tries to emphasize their honesty using an oath. For example, we might say, I cross my heart, or may God strike me dead, or I, you know, I, I swear on my mother's grave. And when you get to the mother, right, when you get to the mother part, that's really, really serious, <laughs> all right? My mom is actually in her grave. Well, she's in heaven, but her body's in the grave. And so I could say, I could say, I swear on my mother's grave. <laughs> and, and what Jesus is saying is um, he, he, he's not really uh, saying that. So look, let's look in verse 34 through uh, 37. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is a city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to do is simply yes or no, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, Jesus flatly says that his disciples should not take an oath at all. They should not swear by anything. The main reason is that a person known for integrity doesn't need to enhance their promises. This is huge. A person of integrity does not need to uh, need to enhance their promises with a sort of a vow or an oath or a, a, a swear. The upright person behind the Christians, yes and no, should be strong enough to stand on its own. Another concern is that swearing by something that belongs to God comes close to swearing to God or by God Himself. Like I swear to heaven, or I swear on, on God's throne, or, or gosh, I even swear to God, should not be doing that. Okay, because the earth's not yours. Okay, the heaven's not yours. The throne of God isn't, isn't yours. Therefore, Jesus says not to swear by heaven because it is God's throne. Christ's command is simple. Let, your wor- let the words yes and no be binding in all cases. Anything more comes from evil. A, a believer ought to be honest in what they say and do. They should not need the pressure of artificial oath to follow through with their commitments. And let me tell you this. The more that you back that up with the action, the more that you can feel that people will trust you with your yes and your no. It's like, yes, I'll be there. I will be there. I will be, I'm a man of, not with me, I might be a little late for those who know me, amen. Uh, but I will be there. Or, hey, I, I, I won't be there. Or, hey, I won't do that. Or, I will do that. And if you back that up with action that matches that, then your yes can be yes and can stand on its own. Your no can be no and stand on its own. And that's it. 
And if we have Christ within us and we can say, hey, I, I, can, I don't have to swear by anything because I will live a life of integrity and righteousness. My yes is yes, my no is no. So Jesus talks about first making false promises with an oath. We don't need to make false promises with an oath, okay? We don't need to swear by anything, okay? Then he goes into um, uh, another thing called revenge. Look at verse 38, Matthew chapter five. You have heard that it was said, there it is again, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Now what Jesus is talking about um, he expects his audience to understand uh, sort of the law of retaliation. Now, this is actually in the, in the, in the, uh, the Torah and the, the law, uh, the Jewish law. Uh, it's often summed up as an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This comes uh, from God's system of justice uh, for the Israelites as described in, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21. We're not gonna turn there, but you can actually look at that. Gen, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 19, 21. God's rule for Israel was to limit retaliation and punishment to, fair equal, um, uh, to a fair equivalent of harm, Okay? God's teaching of an eye for an eye was meant to limit violence, not encourage it. So in other words, people, the reason why this is in law is, okay, if, if, if this has happened to you, then the other person, it needs to happen to the, to the other person, okay? So if, if someone, um, by, you know, an accident or on purpose, you know, killed your horse, well, guess what? That other person's horse needs to be taken, okay? And, um, and the person wouldn't be responsible for doing it. It wouldn't be a retaliation of that person. That wouldn't do it. It would go, it would go through the leaders of the community, and they would be the ones, and the judges, they would be the one who, who, would, who would do that. But the reason why is because if it wasn't eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, then, then people would get a retaliation, and they would try to up it one, Okay? I mean, we, we see this example all the time, okay? In pranks, I love watching uh, videos and, and like Instagram reels, which by the way, you can waste a day, just Instagram reels, I found out. It's like, oh wow, that's, that's kind of cool. That's really funny, okay? But I love watching prank videos because they're just hilarious. They're absolutely hilarious. And so, I mean, uh, this last week I spent, I don't know, several minutes watching these prank videos and I was dying laughing. It was so hilarious. But here's one thing I know about pranks. And pranks are illegal in the Bennett house. Like, you are not allowed to do pranks. And here's the reason why. You start to prank, the next person when they retaliate, because they will, absolutely, they will prank you and it's going to be up a notch. Amen right? It's going to be up a notch. Well, then the other person will prank, and it's going to be up a notch. And then pretty soon, somebody's going to die, right? Someone's going to die. And so it's going to escalate more and more and more. And that's why in the Bennett house, we say no pranking, no pranking whatsoever, okay? The only day that maybe we could get by with something a little bit is on April Fool's Day, because that's kind of fun, right? Okay, uh, and that's the only day we allow sort of 
lies, you know, false, you know, in our house, just to make it fun, okay? Um, and so, but I'm telling you, uh, this was in the law to prevent people, and, and it, was, it was bigger than just pranks. It, it was like real life stuff, okay? Real life stuff. And so they would make sure that they um, uh, would, would say, all right, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and we're going to make this even, okay? So that's what Jesus is talking about right there in verse 38. Now look at verse 39. Christ's teaching on this matter, given in the next few verses, reveals a true intent God has for his people. So far it goes between individual people. God's will is that we do not take revenge at all. This doesn't mean that being weak or passive in the, in the face of blatant violence, but it does prohibit seeking to get even when we're insulted or abused. So let's look at verse 30, uh, 39. But I tell you, there is Jesus, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. In short, Christ's commands here do not mean that you must do nothing while someone beats you to a bloody pulp. If that's happening, that's not what, he, what he's saying. He is speaking to believers who will experience persecution and hate from the world. The proper Christian response to discrimination or, or, or mocking or insults is to simply let it go. So instead, prove that such acts are not worth a response. So if we, if we just say, okay, this isn't even worth a response, this isn't even worth the response. And that is very, very difficult to you. When someone, uh, when someone does something to you, our, our human nature is to retaliate. It's to retaliate. But you can find the ones who have, who have um, the spirit of self-control, which is one of the fruits of the spirit, the spirit of self-control, they say, you know what? That's not even worth my time. I don't, I don't need to respond to that. Somebody say to you something on, on social media or send you a text, okay, or you heard something. You know what? I don't need to respond to that. <laughs> That's not the first thing that goes through our mind. It's not the, fir- not the first thing that goes through, through my mind. And it doesn't matter what's, what's going on in your life. It just seems like those sort of things just come up and we want to retaliate as much as possible, so even better, as the following verses show, in turn, um, is for to turn abuse upside down through love. Personal attacks provide believers with an opportunity to demonstrate God's strength and goodness. Going further than petty insults, Jesus now imagines a scenario in which someone would sue someone. So in these verses we just read, there's a couple of examples one of them is uh, forced to sue you. And he says, if someone is, is suing you, then, um, then you are to, uh, you know, for your tunic, then you are to give them, uh, you know, a, another shirt or outer garment. So what Jesus is saying is this. So your tunic is, um, is sort of the inner garment. So it's kind of like uh, what they, they would wear an outer, an, an outer robe or outer uh, garment. But then 
there's also an inner garment, which is right on, you know, touching their skin, okay? And so when someone uh, sues you for your inner garment, which literally means a shirt off your back, okay? We, we see that phrase in our, in our culture. Man, I got sued for the shirt off my back. That's where that comes from. When someone sues you for an inner garment, here's what you ought to do. You ought to give them not only your inner garment, but your outer garment as well. Oh, okay. Here, you can, you can have this. You can have this. Another example that he gives uh, there is uh, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Okay? If anyone forces you to go one mile, then you go with them two this, this example was clear reference to Israel's Roman occupiers who were often harsh and unfair in their treatment of the Jewish people. So apparently, Roman soldiers could grab any Jewish citizen they choose and force that person to carry luggage or other items for a standard mile. This, this kind of oppressive Oppressive, invasive act would naturally inspire hunger for revenge. Culturally, it would entice people to violently overthrow the Romans. So some of the Jews, um, you know, who thought that, that Jesus was the Messiah, which he is the Messiah, but they were thinking someone who's going to overthrow the occupiers and drive them out of Israel. When he talks about this, this would make this command very shocking. Don't refuse and do even more than what you were asked. So you're telling me, Messiah, who's going to overthrow the Roman government, you're telling me if a Roman soldier makes me carry some luggage or, or equipment a mile, I'm supposed to offer to go another mile? Really? That makes no sense. I... That's not the way we overthrow this Roman government. Jesus is taking our, what, what, what has been taught and what has been instilled in the people in, into the sinful hearts of people like us, and he's flipping it upside down. Flipping it upside down on purpose. It is shock value, big time. And so I, I, I would love to have been in that crowd knowing now Okay, being on this side, and I would love to be in the crowd and just watch people, what they were, what they were thinking. I, I can just kind of hear the gasps that, that happens in the crowd. Human nature jumps to the assumption that Jesus means weakly surrendering to bullies and invaders. So we're supposed to just weakly surrender to bullies. Really? Instead... Jesus is describing a person strong enough to take control. Strong enough to take control. Strong enough to give an empty, an enemy more than they ask for. We even see this in, in, in the Apostle Paul in his writings. You can look at um, Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. Paul says this, and it goes right along with Jesus' teachings. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with 
good. Overcome evil with good. Jesus is not telling his followers to shrink and wither back, um, you know, whether it be a slap of a lawsuit of a, or authority. He tells them to demonstrate strength by freely giving away more than an enemy can take. Today, we kind of call this killing, killing them with kindness. You've kind of heard that, that phrase, killing them with kindness, in, in, a, in a real sort of genuine way, because it's really easy to kill them with kindness in a sarcastic kind of way, right? To just kind of say, all right, um, you know, you can, you can have this or more. Oh, I, I love you. I'm just so thankful for you. And, and you could tell that, that, you, that someone doesn't mean that if they say it in a sarcastic kind of way. But if we really, true from a heart, just kill them with kindness, even though they're saying bad things or negative things to you, your response or our response should be, hey, love, love. Go back and love. Even though in your spirit, <laughs> in your flesh, actually, you want to retaliate. You want to have revenge. And Jesus is saying, that's not the way. That's not God. That's not God. In fact, we as, we as sinful people, I mean, God could get revenge on us by never sending his son Jesus. Oh, they can just go to hell. Let's go to hell. All the things they've done. Yeah. But instead, God offers his son Jesus as a replacement and to show us love. And so we need to show others. I mean, even Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He's talking to the, about, the, the, about the Roman soldiers there who, who have crucified him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Even while he was dying, he showed love, killing them with kindness. This kind of response makes it possible for God to demonstrate his goodness even in the face of those with the most evil intent. You don't need to make it right because God will make it right. You don't need to make it right because God will make it right. It's, it's not yours to revenge, okay? God will take care of that. So, such a response refuses to allow an evil person to control the situation. And you know this, you've seen this. When people do something to you and you respond in a way and you one up from them or you talk negative about them or spread stuff or whatever, then you're playing their game. And guess what? They are the ones in control. They are the ones who are in control of that because you're playing their game and they're the ones who made the first move. Checkmate. It's going to happen. And so, the best thing to do, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I love you, friend. We're gonna, um, it's gonna move on. Just gonna move on. And that is very difficult. Have I been hurt before? Absolutely. 
Have I wanted to take revenge? Absolutely. I've been on the, the edge of wanting to take revenge and even had opportunities to do that. And God's like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. That is mine to avenge, not you. A lot of times, we like to take care of that ourselves. God can do that much better than we can. <laughs> God can do that much better than we can. So, the, um, so making false promises through, through oaths, through swears, and then revenge, and then the last thing we're gonna look at today is how to love our enemies. Look at verse 43. You have heard that it was said. Here's the sixth one. There it is. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Now, that may seem a little strange. Okay, really? You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Every, everything that Jesus talks about in all six of these examples, you have heard it said, quotation. And then that quotation, that's taken from uh, Scripture. Okay? Well, obviously... Love your neighbor is taken from Scripture, but is hate your enemy? Now, that's actually, the, that's actually the one phrase in all of these six that's actually not taken from Scripture. And, and here's the reason why. Because the Jews had sort of different groups. Okay, you have like Pharisees and Sadducees and and, 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 and zealots and, and just different groups. But there's one group in particular who, um, of, of Jews, they're like, you know what? Uh, we're gonna go off and live in the wilderness. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, purify ourselves and y'all just do what you wanna do. And so what they did is they actually, they actually were so focused on, on living to the law, to the law, to the law, and that's it. And then um, anybody who, who didn't do that uh, to that degree, um, they actually taught to hate them. Like, if, if, like you, if you're not like us, we're going, to, we're going to hate you. And so Jesus speaks into that. Jesus speaks into that. And so um, he says this in verse, um, verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be Children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing um, more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Once again, Jesus flips the common understanding of righteousness on its head. Jesus' original audience probably wondered how any person can possibly be righteous if a person must love his enemies. That, of course, is the whole point of what Jesus is trying to do, what Jesus is trying to make. When, while we ought to strive to meet God's standards, only salvation by grace through faith can bring us in to heaven. A man thought by many to be the Messiah, the Savior who was supposed to free Israel from her enemies, has just commanded his disciples to love and pray for their enemies. You know, the guys hanging around who are in soldiers' uniforms with the sword? Yes. 
Worse, he equated this with the righteous living needed to enter into heaven. I can just imagine. Large crowd, thousands of people. There had to have been Roman soldiers on the outside perimeter of that, of that crowd. And as Jesus is saying this, I can imagine people just kind of glancing over wherever they can look at one of those soldiers and just thinking, really? I, 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 I've got to pray for these guys? You're kidding me. Okay, this is going nowhere where I thought it was going to go. And that is, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Jesus sets the record straight early in his ministry with the Sermon on the Mount. Hey, guys, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. This is what my kingdom is about, my heavenly kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom, okay? An earthly kingdom would look much, much different, okay? And so he's saying, all these Roman soldiers, you, you've got to love them. But, they, but they've killed people. They, they put people on crosses. They're crucified. I mean, lots of crucifixions. They, they've done all these things. They, 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 they tax us so much that we, we can't even afford food. And you want us to, to pray for them? Look what they've done to us. And Jesus is saying, look, I love them just as much as I love you. And that was far beyond what anybody was talking about. That was new. Even in our culture today, we sort, of, we sort of adopt this sort of idea, especially in modern Christianity. We ought to love our enemies and that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, that was nowhere near their minds. They were just trying to obey the law and just live it. And everybody else outside of, uh, of the Jews were just, they were, they were scum and, and, and they were ungodly and they were going to heaven and living for themselves and so, <laughs> Jesus said, no, we need to pray for enemies. And, and here recently, if I can use an example, I mean, we've had some pretty big shootings. Just a few weeks ago, not long ago, we had a shooting there at, at a private Christian school, just a couple of miles from where uh, our son Logan attends uh, Lipscomb University and even though that that person is no longer with us who did all that does God love that person just as much as he loves you you bet just yesterday city of Allen, Texas at a shopping mall Allen Premier Outlets we know that place very well because we used to live in Allen. And in fact, before we moved to Georgia, I was on staff at a, at a large church there in Allen, Cottonwood Creek, and uh, just right, just literally a, a mile or two from the church is Allen Premier, uh, Allen Premium Outlets. And, and it, was, it was a great place to go shop. And someone opened fire. Now, that person is no longer with us. Someone took him out. But God loves that, that person 
just as much as he loves those children and those other adults who lost their lives, just as much as he loves you. And that is really hard to grasp. His love, we can't understand it. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying if, 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 if someone breaks into your house and tries to harm your family, you need to take care of that. <laughs> you need to take care of it. I mean, you don't, you don't be like, hey, shoot me, you know, then you can shoot my family. No, no, that's, I mean, you, you need to do everything you can. First of all, you need to pray that for, the, for that protection of, of, of angels just to be, be around your house. Or, and not just even at home, just, just out and about. Yeah, you need, you need to take care of yourself. And if there was, a, if there was a, uh, an intruder in a local school, and if you happen to be there and you had the, the ability to take, to take them out, you're going to do everything you can to take them out to save lives. Absolutely. But what Jesus is saying is, look, um, you've got to love your enemies. And really what he's, what he's, he's talking about is just those, those people who, are, who, are, who have talked about you. I mean, we're just, going, we're just going to the heart of the matter, okay? Those people who, who may have said something about you. And you know, who, you know who they are. You know who they are. You may have seen them out and about. Maybe you see them at, the, at a restaurant or, or a store, and you go down the aisle, and you see them, and like, oh, I'm not going to go down that aisle. I'm going to go the other way. But what if you did go down, down that aisle? What if you did show love? What if you did show kindness? I mean, there have been people in my life, even in the past couple of years, who I know what, what they have said. And we, we've, uh, even though it was very difficult, when I saw them, I didn't bring any of that up. I asked about their family, how they're doing, what the Lord's doing in their life. But man, every part of me <laughs> just want to be like, what are you thinking? Why are you, you know? But, you know, Jesus is saying, look, love, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Jesus clearly teaches that the heavenly standard of righteousness is absolute. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. How do I know this? Look at verse 48. He says it right there in chapter 5, the last verse of this chapter. <laughs> he ends it with this. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What? You're, you're telling me to be perfect. First of all, you've been hitting us upside the head with all of these teachings, and, and you're flipping everything, and, 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 and then now this is the gut punch. And now you, you tell us to be perfect? As Father, as your Father in heaven is perfect? Really? Yes. Yeah. You need to be perfect. How's that? <laughs> How was that? So if, if you're perfect, raise your hand. Students, keep your hand down. If you're perfect, raise your hand. 
Yeah, we're, we, we, are, we are full of sin. And, he, and this is the whole point of, of, of this Sermon on the Mount. And it's kind of, it kind of mirrors the, the Ten Commandments. You want to go to heaven? All right, here are Ten Commandments. Let's just give you ten. And uh, let's, see, let's see how you do. Guys, we, we can't even keep all ten. We need grace. We need, we need someone to die for us. Well, that's what God instituted with animal sacrifice. And then Jesus comes in. Okay, now, you know, you've heard, you've heard it said these things, okay? And that's great. That's surface matter. You cannot murder. You cannot commit adultery. Those kinds of things. And that's great. Now let's go to another level. Not only are you not committing murder, but you're not to be angry. Not only are you not to commit adultery, is that you're not to uh, look at a person lustfully in their heart, because that's the same thing as adultery. You're not supposed to do this. He goes to a whole nother level because he's saying, look, if, if, if you are to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. Well, that means nobody can go to heaven. You're right. And that is the point. None of us can go to heaven on our own abilities to try to live a perfect life. That's this whole thing. And when you realize, man, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to do good things on my own strength. You try to do that without the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're hitting a brick wall time and time again. And Jesus is saying, it's, it's not about you. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's just getting us prepared in this passage. He's getting the church ready for the Holy Spirit to come live inside of us. It quickly becomes clear that it's absolutely impossible for sinful human beings to live up to God's standard of righteousness on our own power. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3 says, none is righteous, not even one. None is righteous, not even one. So what do we do with that? How do, we, how do we handle this? Well, you got two choices. You can live a perfect life, or you can invite Jesus into your heart, into your life, be Lord of, uh, Lord of your life, depend upon him, fall in love with him, let his spirit give you power, and just accept his free gift of grace. Because Jesus is saying, you can't do this on your own. You can't. He'd be like a kindergartner trying to dunk a basketball. I can't even dunk a basketball. I know that shocks you. But imagine a kindergartner say, I need you to dunk a basketball. I can't, I can't do that. Of course not. They don't have the abilities. Some of you are trying to dunk a basketball spiritually, and it's not working. And so Jesus is saying, look, just let me help you. Let me help 
you. But our sinful nature, we don't like help. Men, talking to you because I am one, maybe we should call, maybe we should stop and ask for directions. Oh, no. No, 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 Absolutely not. Take your man card. We don't like help. We don't. And so we're just like, I'm just going to do it on my own. By golly. Well, to some of, some of the people here watching online, listening, that maybe has not worked out the way you wanted. It just takes surrender. It just takes surrender. And let me tell you, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, whether it be a long time ago or recently, guess what? That's a decision we have to make on a daily basis. Not to, not to accept Jesus. That's a one-time salvation. But every day of deciding, hey, I'm either going to do this on my own or I'm going to ask Jesus to help me. I'm going to ask Jesus to help me. This week in my quiet time, I forget which day it was, just I was felt in the Holy Spirit just to write down the things that are burdening me right now. The things are, that, that are worrying me. The things that bring me worry. Because the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. My burden is easy. Okay? It's light. Why? Because I'm going to help you. So I need you to take care of that. So I did. And do you know <laughs> that I'm seeing this week two of those, I think I listed like eight things, two of those things already were taken care of this week. I was like, wow. You have not because you asked not. Just ask for help. Ask for help. It's okay. Some of you need to surrender every day and ask for help. You got something in your life you're trying to take care of on your own? It's not going to work. Just ask for help. And that's why the body of Christ is here to help you as well. Okay? Whether it be small group or ladies group or men's group or, or youth group, we are all trying to do this together, walk together. You don't need to do this alone. So, surrender to Jesus. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and ask you, Lord, that you uh, search our hearts. Lord, if there's anything that we are just trying to hold on to and we're, we're losing that grip because it's, it's spinning out of control, I pray, Father, we're able to surrender that to you. Lord, we need your help. Lord Jesus, we cannot carry this. We cannot do this on our own. We need your help. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here today or watching online or listening that has never surrendered their life to you, I pray, Father, that you will just encourage them to surrender their life to you and stop trying to live a life worthy of heaven because it's not working. And if anyone is here today or listening in the sound of my voice, if you want to accept Christ as Savior, just simply say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I believe you died for me. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
And if you have someone, you just need extra prayer or just need someone to come alongside you, uh, me and Pastor Terry and others, we would love to help you with that. We'd love to uh, partner with someone, a prayer partner or accountability partner. Or, there, or maybe uh, if you have accepted Christ and maybe you said a prayer similar to that and you just want to, hey, what is the next step? What do I need to do? And uh, so there's, there's some next steps. We can help you with that. So just let us know. You can, eat, uh, you can let us know here today. If you're listening online, you can uh, simply go to pastor. Send me an email, pastor at lakepointonline.com or frank at lakepointonline.com, and I'd love to know about it. Uh, hey, you don't want to miss next week. We're going to continue in, um, in this series, Sermon on the Mount, but next week is Mother's Day. Okay, so all the mothers, make sure you come. We're going to celebrate moms here next week, and uh, we'd love to for you to invite your guests and uh, be a part of that. But uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much.